Yo. Head up, think fast. You're about to feel the blast. It's the dopest podcast on the net. Oh, yeah. All us geeks, fresh your bet. We round the world, we round the net. So get ready and get set. Cause we make it look easy, no sweat. Jeff and Jordan, the host. Yeah, they be the best. From the north to the south, to the east to the west. They cover movies, comics, TV shows, books. These guys gonna get you hooked. Don't stop now, just take a look. And don't forget to sign our Facebook. Cause what they doing is board games, video games. Yeah, they on it. They fly like a comet. Interviews, you up. This podcast is pure. Give voice to your inner geek, that's for sure. Geek out any topic. No one ain't gonna ever, ever stop it. So if you wanna go and get it on, then head to allisgeeks.com. Welcome to episode 48 of All Us Geeks. I'm Jeff King. And I'm Jordan Steinhoff. And we're here to give voice to your inner geek. We have another sponsor. Always appreciate that. So Meltdown Games is our sponsor for this episode. Of course, they have the Kickstarter for Gothic Doctor. And you may have heard a thing here or there from uh, them on the All Us Geeks channel. It's been so, mentioned. Eh, once or twice. They did an In interview passing. or two, right? Yeah, yeah. Usually I just name drop them because, yeah. you know, I like to pretend I know people. Power player. <laughs> That Kickstarter is going on until July 23rd. They are fully funded. They are well into several stretch goals even, which is awesome to see. When we recorded, they had actually just made a little more in funding than the previous time that they had, had that they canceled by the end of the, or by the end of the the last failed project. They had made more money and had more backers, which was awesome to see. Since then, and between then and this recording, they've put at least another $2,000 on top of that. And they're still going strong, so that's awesome to see. Again, uh, if you want to go check out that campaign, going until July 23rd, it is an EU-friendly campaign where you're looking at treating nefarious patients as a uh, doctor trying to get a uh, partnership and a practice that treats nefarious patients. You've got one night to raise as much profit as you can. Whoever raises the most profit is the partner. And the base game is $25, which is 156 cards plus any stretch goals. And like I said, they've already unlocked several. And then there's an expanded game that's for $40 that has the that and 36 additional patients, some other new stuff, and a, another way to play. So you can check Naked! that out. <laughs> that is just a unspoken variant in the house. <laughs> So, again, go check that out. And for everybody that has and everybody that's backed it already, thank you very much. We appreciate it between us and Meltdown Games. Uh, I think everybody's put in a lot of work to make this a successful campaign. And, of course, it's only successful if you guys check it out and believe in it and back it as well. And you've done that. Uh, and if you haven't, go check it out and, like I said, watch the and video. And believe it. And believe it, it now. <laughs> watch the video. There's some gameplay. You know, we did a, a preview for it. Uh, all that good stuff. Or, I'm sorry, initial impressions. There was no preview. <laughs> And go watch our initial impressions just for because it's the first time we got Sarah involved in the uh, review process. She wanted to play it, and she sat down and gave her opinion of it as well. So that was awesome. All right. Well, we talked a little bit about we had a couple things for general. <laughs> uh, you know, the first one I'm going to do just straight up right here. Do it. We have exactly two Alice Geek shirts left. 
since the last time we opened them up for pre-orders, we didn't get enough, so we didn't pre-order any, or we didn't order any since we didn't get uh, very many pre-orders. Uh, we got uh, a few. Some I had shirts for. The rest of them I had to refund because it wasn't enough for us to do orders. So I've got two Allis Geek shirts. I've got a 2X and I've got a 3X. First two people that wants to put in a claim for one of those two shirts, just email podcast at allisgeeks.com. It's yours. Uh, we got those two shirts. I'm just going to go ahead and wipe that slate clean and maybe in the future. But, you know, next time you guys say, yeah, we really want shirts, uh, when we put them up for order, that's when you really say you want the shirts, not just in the surveys. <laughs> if your name is Other Mike, you can't have one. <laughs> there you go. If you make an army of mics <laughs> comment against me, you can't have one. <laughs> or you will become other he who shall not be named. <laughs> so, yes, I have a 2X and a 3X Allis Geek shirt. First two people to email me for their respective size will get that shirt. Podcast at allisgeeks.com. What was that? Podcast at allisgeeks.com. All right. <laughs> so, you know, we should we should talk about the black cloud in the room. Neither one. We both said we were Your going Your stink-ass to- dog? <laughs> there, there is that. Yeah, by the way, since we're early in the show, the dogs are with us. Megan had an appointment tonight, so usually I'm pretty good about editing them out, but every once in a while, you usually hear them in the backgrounds. If that happens, that's they're down here with us, and sometimes it's easier to have a, have them in the room with us than at the top of the stairs because they really freak out if they're upstairs. You know, we both said we were going, and we were pretty damn excited to, and all the way up to uh, the day of, we were going to go to Don's. <laughs> We were uh, ready to go hang out with Don and game. He had a, a gaming weekend this past weekend, and unfortunately, things conspired against both of us. So pretty much almost at the same time, we kind of said, oh, I can't do this. Uh, unfortunately for me, it was my back going out. And unfortunately for you, mm-hmm. you had a loss. So uh, unfortunately, we did not get to Don's. Which sucks. It was like, it, it was a twofer. Like, we didn't go to Don's. It was also this, it, it, it was once again the uh, Rochester Gamers community scheduling an event at the same time something else is going on. I mean, not that they knew, but that was that Yeah, same don't they consult with Don. Yeah. <laughs> Do you not check with every member anymore? <laughs> there are members? Yeah. There are just people that eat Loose, pizza. Loose, <laughs> yeah. I use the term loosely. Uh, so, yeah, unfortunately, we did not get to go to that. And then while we're on the subject, I guess, of unfortunate news, we are going to be skipping recording the next one. So end of July, uh, what was it, July 29th? Is that when we usually like yeah. record? Anyway, yeah, so the last one in July. The last Tuesday in July. Right. For those that have a calendar in front of them right now. We will not be recording for good reasons. <laughs> Jordan's going to go on vacation. Who knows? Maybe I, I've got interviews and stuff, so you'll you'll still be getting content, but the main episode will not happen. And then we've got, I'll uh, just say it now and we'll say it again as it gets closer, but the last one in October will not be recorded either because I'll be on vacation. We won't be recording that one either. October in general is going to be a very, very light month for all us geeks because I think I'm on call. I'm on vacation for a week or so and something else is going on. But basically it, it ends up being like we're reviewing maybe one game and I pretty much am not doing interviews, I think, <laughs> most of that month. So that's that. Anything else we got for general? Yeah. No. All right. There you go. Game review. We are going to be taking a look at Valley of the Kings. 
by AEG. Aldrack Entertainment Group. That's right. So this is one that uh, Jordan uh, wanted us to take a look at. He had Oh, put it, it on me. Put it on me. <laughs> I will. You lost the game hard. That's not my oh, fault. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got third. Combined, we didn't make second. <laughs> I know. But I got third. You got fourth. So you lost it hard. <laughs> One point is not a dominating win. Five, six. No, that's that's not dominating. We're getting ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> no, it was Valley of the Kings. This is a, a another game from AEG. You know, in general, we've pretty much enjoyed all the games that we've gotten to play from AEG. So uh, Jordan got this one, and he wanted to take a look at it. And we had a last-minute reschedule kind of for this podcast. So this is what we chose to put in its place. All right, so I'm going to let you take over. Valley of the Kings is an Egyptian-themed deck builder. This has all these standard deck building elements. There is a uh, starting deck that everybody has with your basic resource cards. There's the play area where everybody has the uh, common cards that they're going to draw from. This is for... Stop that. Keep doing that. Or... How's your editing tonight, Jeff? Uh, this did that like two or three times during the news too. <laughs> this is two to four players and is supposedly forty five minutes. Uh, we played it at four players and it didn't take forty five minutes. So well, when you're getting crushed, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was more competitive. I, I, actually, maybe. I don't know about you, but it felt like three hours on my end of the table. <laughs> well, I know I didn't have forty five minutes worth of activity in that game, but. <laughs> So yeah, two to four players, 45 minutes if everybody is feeling competitive and actually participating in the game. And it is, as far as uh, deck building goes, it's fairly standard fare. There are a couple innovations that I like, but it f- follows all the standard stuff. A board of cards everybody draws from or buys from. There's nothing really innovative here. So you can just take this as a deck builder right. that is Egyptian themed. And this is more of the Ascension style deck builder versus the Dominion style deck builder, where it's yes. whatever cards come up out of the deck that you can buy from versus the everything's available yes. up front. The engine building is a little bit harder because of that since if the cards are coming up that you if you started to try to build on statues, no more statues comes up, then you, you've got to change. So it's uh, standard stuff. You have the Egyptian-themed cards, and you have the it's play cards, discards, and rebuild the pyramid and draw your new hand. Those are four phases. On uh, the play cards is the most important phase. This is where you will buy one or more cards from the pyramid, execute one or more actions from your cards, or entomb a card. You can do this for free once per turn. I'll get to entombing in a second. As with all other deck builders, no matter what the flavor, got you discard all your unused cards. There's no change in the buying, and if you don't have an appropriate target for your action, you know, the card just goes away. And then you rebuild your pyramid. I'll get to that in a second, and then you draw a new hand, hand size of five. So entombing and rebuilding the pyramids are, uh, the pyramid, I should say, are the two, uh, the two mechanics that I think, uh, make this game stand out a little bit from other games. Like Ascension and DC, it's kind of a straight line. And in Dominion, there is a set number of cards or, you know, you'd select from the randomizers and that, you know, everybody sees it and everybody has, uh, their choice of what they're going to buy on their turn. Uh, in Valley of the Kings, since it's Egyptian themed, you have a six card pyramid, three, two, one. Uh, and you can only buy, unless there's a card, an action that lets you do something different, uh, you can only buy from the bottom row of the pyramid. And as you buy, the pyramid crumbles. Uh, so you, starting with the next row up, pull a card down to fill in the crumbled hole. 
So if you buy from the first row, second row crumbles into the first and the top crumbles into the second, unless there's nothing to crumble down into. So I think that is a fairly interesting way of bringing something different to the table, to the table, rather than just having a set of cards for people to look at. You've got to balance what you want right now, what you're building for versus what you might be allowing somebody else to get, you know, through a crumble. And then at the end of the round, as I said, rebuild the pyramid. Once you've done your turn, the pyramid crumbles, assuming you're lucky enough to be able to afford anything. <laughs> then you <laughs> then you replace the cards with cards from the deck. And then it's kind of a standard deck builder after that. You have your cards, you buy cards, what you buy goes to your discard. You hope you have the money each turn to be able to afford what you're doing, whether through straight draw or actions that allow you extra cards or, you know, you're getting the high gold value cards, whatever. It's, it's very standard mechanics after that until you get to scoring. And this is where entombing comes in. Once per turn for free, as part of your basic actions, you can entomb one card. Each player has a tomb card, which is an incomplete pyramid. So if you're not familiar with Egyptian lore, they believe you take everything with you. So you build your pyramid, you want all the good stuff in there, and a few servants, and apparently based on this game, a mummified cat. So you entomb a card, and this card, it is out of play at that point. And uh, at the end of the game, when you score, you score based on its either set points or set victory points written on the card. At the end of the game, when it comes to scoring, you only score based on the cards under your tomb. Nothing in your hand, nothing in your discard. Unlike some other games that allow you to just take everything that has a victory point printed on it, this you only get what's in your tomb. So you are balancing each turn, not only what you can afford and what you might be giving to somebody else, you also have to decide very early when you're going to start entombing cards to either build your sets or get your uniques or whatever. And that's also, I think, a very good element for scoring that is not common in a lot of the other games. So those are the two mechanics as far as this game goes that I think set it apart and make it more interesting to me than... Because other than Marvel, I've kind of waned on the deck builders because just plain old repetition. Uh, so this is something that's a little bit different, and that's why I picked it up. Well, that and it was cheap. I mean, this was like a $15 game. I don't think there's going to be any expandability for it because then that defeats the purpose of being a fast game. But uh, so that's that's Valley of the Kings uh, quick overview. Yeah, I mean, they, they could maybe do something small, but yeah, it's, I mean, well, well, just go ahead and get into components. Yeah. So the component side of things, again, it's, it's cards and a pretty small box. It's, it's meant to be throw in your backpack, bring with you portable quick kind of game to play. And in that aspect, I think it does really well. And again, it's, it's cards. Uh, I don't know. What do you think overall? It's for the components. We usually go what's in it. And of course, the art and stuff, we kind of wrap into components. The cardstock itself is very good. The cards are solid. Uh, the artwork is strong to the theme and the card names are strong to the theme, but I'm left looking at the artwork going, it seems a little bit muted. It is not bad. It is definitely better than I could ever put on card, but it just seems less. I don't know what it should be more of, but it just seems less. It is not bad. Everything is recognizable as what it should be. The mummified cat looks like a mummified cat. The statue of Bastet looks like a statue. You know, so everything is really visible, but it just seems very uh, muted. Like it should be brighter or or, or something like that. It's I'm just not 100% satisfied with these cards. Yeah, you know, I, I can't quite put my finger on it either but there is something just a little bit off that isn't quite 100 percent with me as far as the art is concerned and i don't know i don't know maybe it's because it was part of it is probably because it was so muted and even 
even with us throwing in extra light and stuff, I mean, sometimes you still kind of had to really lean over the table to see what is that. Not only from the aspect of reading the card to see what it does, but what is that? You know, <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. It wasn't a quick kind of look. And you instantly knew what you were kind of looking at. I mean, once you got the card in front of you, sure. But yeah, from across the table, there wasn't. So I don't know. If Even that, with that the shrink, sure. your shrunk down table, taking the leaf out, yeah. it was still a hard read. Yeah. yeah. So I, I agree with you there, I guess. I, I don't know 100% what it is, but maybe it is that, yeah, just a little crisper, cleaner art, maybe. But then again, I don't know. I mean, maybe the, I mean, the muted tone with the Egyptian theme and, and all that stuff is maybe what they were kind of going for. I just don't know if it 100% worked for me uh, either. But like you said, I mean, it's the card quality and all that stuff seemed good. Decent little rule book, a nice compact box. They didn't really try to waste your time with uh, extra space in the box. And they did make a game that is very portable because of that. So that was kind of cool. All right, so uh, mechanics. You already talked uh, about a couple of them that you really liked. Uh, we should probably we can expand on that a little bit, I guess. Yeah, it's fairly standard deck builder mechanics. There's if you've played anything, the basic concept is not going to be new. How you get your cards, like we talked about the pyramid and and crumbling and rebuilding. Uh, you know, I think that adds a nice uh, variation to the standard, either straight line or you know the Dominion st- or or uh, Thunderstone kind of board where everybody gets to see everything and, and can plan based on you know everything as opposed to just what might be there next turn and that's the other thing i like scoring here too is very much uh it's like well, it's like seven wonders in that respect because you've got unique cards that have a set point value you know if you buy these they're going to be this much and then you got your starter cards if you choose to to entomb those that are all going to be worth one and then everything else that is not a starter or unique is part of a set and the sets are co- oh that's one thing we should mention well we can talk about it here the cards are color-coded so the uniques i think are purple so they're easily recognizable as uniques and that really did help because even though i couldn't always necessarily read what the statue was because of the art and the light combined i at least knew that the blue border was a statue and if if it got down to the first row i would at least i would try to take a look at it then and there are between three and seven cards in each set and then at the end scoring is based on how many unique versions you have in your set so if you've got one version of all seven statues you're gonna get 49 points but if you only have six versions and a double of one of them, the double is not going to count towards anything. You're only going to get the unique set. So that's kind of the, you know, the, the science victory in Seven Wonders. So it's got good scoring. It's not 100% original scoring because I, you know, like I said, just compared it right to Seven Wonders. <laughs> but I like the the variability in the in the set collection. I like that a bit, but it is one of those things, like I said, I mean, it's, uh, they're, they're color-coded. And when they come down, now you get, that's when we had to do that closer look because <laughs> am I getting a duplicate or? Am I getting uh, something new in the set of the yellow cards or whatever? One of the things I did find kind of interesting is, you know, a lot of deck builders, you're trying to call your deck for playability. This, you call your deck for scoreability. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Which is kind of interesting because the cards... Various cards are very useful. Even the, the starter game. cards are not. Yeah, it's not like just the copper from Dominion, you know. It's, right. The, the starting cards are are very useful. Yeah. Some of them rearrange the pyramid, which is really nice. But then this is also one of those games where it's you use the money or the ability. Yes. So you've you've got to watch that as well. So I mean, yay, you move down a a seven cost card. Can you afford it now? Because you got rid of some money out of your hand to move. Many it times we both shouted at each other that. 
if you hadn't removed that card from my hand, <laughs> I would be able to do two things this turn yeah. instead of none. That's not original either, That's but it's a nice thing with this. And the deciding when to entomb something, because you can only entomb so many times. Yes. Unless you have cards that let you do extra. Uh, but still, even with that, I mean, you can only entomb so many times. But at the same time, you don't want to leave yourself like a really short deck early in the game. Because you can't do very much, and then you you pretty much put yourself out of the game a little bit. So it's it's an interesting balancing act, I think. What I like about it is it's also aggressive. There's definitely a strong screw your neighbor here, mm-hmm. like right off the bat. Like Dominion, across all the expansions, there's only a handful of cards. Nobody buys the witch until somebody <laughs> buys the witch, and then everybody buys the witch, you know, that kind of thing. And the, the more com- competitive games... You get the point bonus, but everybody gets hosed, including the person that did it. So it's there's a negative for everybody, not only everybody else. These cards are very much right off the bat. Everybody's going to sack a card except me or, you know, everybody else has to. Oh, and that's the, there is a difference there between sacrificing and discarding. Uh, one of the end conditions is an empty pyramid and an empty deck or an empty stock, I should say. And one of the ways to do that is to sacrifice cards from the pyramid. And there is a difference between sacrificing and discarding. Discarding just goes back to your hands. Sacrificing is just removed from the play. And one of the basic action cards also makes people sack uh, sack a card, removing that from play too. Also thinning down your deck, not necessarily in a good way. So there's definite strong screw your neighbor here. It's very aggressive right off the bat, whether they meant it to be or not. I don't know. I think they're sacrificing a card from the pyramid. They might have viewed as a game speeder, like I used it just to end it, or a free way to get cards down. But it's definitely, uh, at the end, I was just looking, okay, I know Sarah's going like blue and green and Megan's going like unique. So I'm just going to start killing purple things. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it can be an aggressive game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, and that is kind of how I viewed it as well, because we had that conversation at the table where the end condition is not an or like in a lot of games. It's, yes. a, it's an and. So the deck has to be empty and the pyramid has to be emptied, that kind of thing. So it, all of the conditions need to be met. And then everybody has to have had one full turn. So all three of those conditions have to be met before the game's over. So just because the deck runs out doesn't mean the game's over. And the conversation that we were kind of having off to the side is... What if nobody can afford that card? Yeah, what if nobody can afford... Like, they're all eight, nine-point cards at the bottom. And, you know, you and I were lucky if we ever got five gold in in a hand towards the end. So then it's just a, a matter of, can somebody else get that money together? But luckily, I mean, we did. We had the... And they're starter cards that you can just pull right off of the pyramid to help speed up the game. And, you know, it's... We knew we were playing for third and fourth, so yeah. let's just hurry up and get there so we can see <laughs> we're at third and fourth. Uh, so it is nice. I mean, from the start of the game, they do potentially give you the way to deal with that end game result, as long as you haven't entombed them all before then. All right, so uh, rules. Uh, the rule book is, uh, it's a four by six box, and the rule book fits in there, and it's thin. So the actual printed rules with some color explanation is is pretty tight and that includes clarification on almost every card in the <laughs> in the game. 
So uh, the rules, I think, were good. I read it once, and then we had some scheduling problems. So then I read it again uh, the day we played. And uh, other than a couple things where I thought I understood, but then actually seeing the mechanics, I had to go double check. I think coming out the rules as written are very clear, very concise, and do lead to smooth first play. But I wouldn't expect anything less from AEG. They traditionally, in my experience, have very good rule books. I'll leave that one completely. I don't even think I touched the rule book once that game. So <laughs> the, the whole time we played. All right. So teachability. I'll chime in on that. Jordan taught all of us. I think we were up and running fairly fast. Uh, I think there might have been a little hesitation slash confusion right at the beginning just because Megan and Sarah don't necessarily play these type of games all the time. So just getting them in and going. But I think the way we did it and the way you know, you started off and then I was right behind you. And like, like Megan said, you know, you guys go. So I, I need to see it. And that's pretty typical for her. She's, she's a more visual person anyway. So by the time I think it got to them, they were fine. And, and the game pretty much after maybe two turns just flowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of question on it and stuff. The only thing would be the move your fuel, move your fuel, <laughs> crumble, uh, crumble, crumble the pyramid. And then, you know, the early on don't refill the pyramid until the end of your turn kind of thing where the two things that might have needed the most reminding up front. Yep. But, uh, once we got going, good to go. So what'd you, how'd you feel? You don't, teach a ton of games so how'd you feel teaching this one well not here anyways but well yeah surprisingly you picked it up pretty quick no <laughs> i think it's a miracle uh, like you said the girls who do not play a lot of the deck builders picked it up i, did, I didn't do anything i didn't go page for page from the rule book because it's just not that big you don't really need to do that it's and there's a re- really only like one phase where you do anything the other phases are set things you draw you replace you know you whatever it's only the main phase and and, and i think everybody picked it up quickly all right so then we go into theme well what do you think i mean i already kind of know because you grabbed it <laughs> well i i like the egyptian theme definitely it is uh you know even go, just going back to high schools where i got into egyptian history and stuff mm-hmm. so the artwork i think is is there uh, the theme is present in the artwork in the names definitely the front and the back of the cards the box there's actually flavor text too yeah there is uh fluff on most of the cards yeah. and you know it's got a scarab on the box it's uh you know so it's thematically this does for me anyways say this is an egyptian themed game i think they did a good job with it on the theme and especially one of the mechanics that we really kind of dug that was somewhat unique-ish for this is the whole put it aside for scoring versus keeping it you know that kind so the entombing part with the set collection you know unique sets and stuff i think that all fit in very well with the egyptian theme (laughs) it's kind of cool i mean you you put cards aside and you put them under your, under your tomb card. So, you know, everybody doesn't really, yeah, they can pay a little bit of attention, but it's not public knowledge as, as much. I, yeah, I, I kind of dug that. I mean, I didn't really take the time to read a whole lot of the fluff cards, but just in general, the theme of what we were trying to do, the fact that your buy tableau was a pyramid that crumbled down was kind of cool. And worst and, slave workers ever, man. Their <laughs> pyramids crumbling every so month. So you flip it over. <laughs> get some get some better mix or something. <laughs> Trying to save a few gold coins here. So between that and again the the entomb thing where you know you're looking at your cards is like 
uh, I need the points, but I also need either the gold and or ability, which is really cool because that's part of the reason. Like, especially early in the game, that was what I was buying more on some of the abilities. Yeah. So then when you start get to like that mid to end side of the game, you're like, but I really like these abilities. Yep. <laughs> but I got to take some of this with me. So I like the theme. I thought I thought it did a pretty good job. All right, so uh, fun factor slash overall, sir. Overall, I think this is very enjoyable. It's definitely not a 10, but it's enjoyable. I think it's a good, it's definitely a portable game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to take this with me on vacation, whereas I am not going to try to get, you know, legendary in in the car with me, you know, or all the Dominion expansions, even if I did get the fancy Dominion box, you know, that kind of thing. It's portable. Thematically, I find it very enjoyable. Legendary is pretty much the only deck builder I like to play these days because... The genre for me is a little bit, uh, j- just for me personally, played out. Just played a lot of Dominion, played a lot of uh Thunderstone. So A, this was different. B, there were enjoyable mechanics and theme. C, it's fast and small. So all that adds to this being, for me, a very enjoyable game. Yeah, overall, I enjoyed the game, even though we got just smoked. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't. They even, cheated. There was there was some funny. kind of woman only table talk going on there. I'm pretty sure it wasn't even close. It no, was, you, there was no way we could even demand a recount. Like I uh, said, our two scores combined yeah. didn't make second. <laughs> uh, we had a lot of fun with it in general. Like we we've talked about this before. There are games uh, that I own that Jordan and, and that Michael owns and that Jordan and we've all got these games that we're glad somebody else owns. <laughs> kind of thing this kind of falls into that realm with me uh, jordan has it i will definitely play it whenever jordan wants to play it but i'm fine with it not being in my collection now it is an inexpensive game so at some point down the road who knows because it it, will show up (laughs) it is in that impulse buy range right yeah once the shelves are completely uh (laughs) up and and i find out i have well i'll find out i have no room is find out find out find out we need a bigger basement is what's going to happen but yeah, I, I have no desire to to pick this one up for myself. I I have plenty of AEG titles, but this particular one, you know, like I said, I'll I'll play it. Jordan wants to break it out. I'm not gonna you know scoff at it. I'll, I'll gl- gladly sit down to the table and play this one. But I'm comfortable with it not being in my collection right now. All right, so that is our review for Valley of the Kings. <laughs> We're watching. Not much changed on this end. Uh, Falling Skies, still watching that. And actually, there's a few of these things. Um, we're watching them, but we might be a little bit behind uh, on a couple things. But let's see. We watched Defiance last night, I think. So I think we finally caught up on that one. Uh, are you still letting that one build up? We went through the first four or five apps. I'm not quite sure how many it was, but um, Daytech Tard's back in town. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's, I'm still enjoying the hell out of that show. Oh, it's excellent. It's yeah, excellent. It's a great, great show. True Blood, still uh, trying to get through the final season. And apparently, since they've decided this is the final season, they just figured, we'll make sure there is never a reunion show. We'll just kill everybody. <laughs> I've discovered that Charter does not buy boxes with programmed logic. Uh, like I said, I, I canceled my silver package, so we don't have HBO anymore. And Sunday night I turned on the DVR cause something was recording and there wasn't supposed to be anything recording. And it's on the HBO channel. You do not have this service. <laughs> nice. I know. So, so, so why getting, are you trying to record this? You recorded an hour of, <laughs> well, I stopped it. But yeah, like, let me just sit here. 
and contemplate my decision. <laughs> yep. This is your don't way have of, it. This is your way of telling me I should have this. <laughs> I, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm still American Ninja Warrior as well. They're kind of into the, the finals, and that's been kind of fun to watch. Uh, standout moment from what we've been watching recently is they had this new obstacle, and I think in a previous episode, some people beat it, but the, the night we were watching it, nobody had beaten it yet. And this new guy who was a walk-on rookie uh, was the first one to get through it, and he did it because it was it was like the it was like three balls on a on a swing, uh, and they were each ball got bigger and bigger, and it was trying to get your grip on it and swing across and make the jump and not go in the water kind of thing, you know. And nobody could beat it. Everybody, a lot of people, nobody could beat the balls. Nobody could beat the balls. Everybody kept everybody everybody couldn't get their hand around the big ball. Uh, so this rookie, like I said, he was a walk on first year was going through the course parts of it that you could kind of tell he was a rookie kind of deal. But in this instance, him being a rookie, I think helped him. He was basically like the first person to complete the entire course that night. And what he did on the big ball is he was swinging from the middle one. And instead of trying to reach for it, he, he hooked it with his feet, went backwards and did a backflip basically onto the back and he, he got his momentum going hanging from his feet and then flipped back onto the platform and kept going and everybody lost their shit <laughs> like all the veterans sitting on the side they just cut everybody everybody's like oh, oh my god how could that be done why didn't i think of that <laughs> so it was because uh, i have no leg strength <laughs> it was pretty cool to see so yeah we're still watching that and then now, uh, Megan, I guess, watched the first season. I have never watched any of it, but we watched the first disc of the first season of Breaking Bad. That is our power watch. And, uh, you'll probably hear more about that here in the future. <laughs> there, there may be some recordings around that in the future, <laughs> but that's what I'm watching. I got some of the same defiance, uh, falling skies. No, <laughs> we made the mistake of watching the first two eps of Dominion and it's bad. It, <laughs> It sucks like a Dyson. It's just horrible. Not even Tony Head makes this good. And I wouldn't have even went with the first two apps if I had known. After they do all the credits and everything, they put this thing at the bottom of the screen. This is based on and follows the events from Legion, which was a horrible movie. <laughs> horrible. I mean, it was just bad on every level. And then they decided to make it into a TV show. So I stopped that recording. Like, right as soon as... We're not going to watch this again, are we? No. Cancel. <laughs> All right. Like I said, we have been uh, doing lo- uh, Defiance, and that remains awesome. Uh, Longmire just had an awesome, awesome app. I'm, I'm continuing to enjoy this, but I'm, I'm going to hazard and say this was the best app of the show. It was uh, Peter Stormare's in it, so of course it's good. But it's very much, uh, he's uh, he takes uh, Katie Sackhoff hostage and puts her on trial for crimes because the the story here is longmire is trying to find the dude who killed his wife and he uh, in the process of doing his job killed stromari's brother so stromari's like he's just crazy he's got this whole idea that he's got this little independent nation on his property and so real laws don't apply to him and he's like one of those the nutty survivalist kind of person not just he's the dude that's preparing for the zombie apocalypse that's <laughs> that's the kind of thing you know and it was just an excellent a uh, really high drama fake court scene where he's you know he wants to kill them both so uh, but he's crazy so he's got to go through the motions of trying to prepare and pretend to be you know fair 
Longmire and everything to, <laughs> to his code. But it was a really excellent app. And as always, I'm enjoying Longmire. Uh, watched the most recent uh, app of Last Ship, which uh, continues to be simple but enjoyable. It's it's just Sunday night TV. Watch the first four or five apps of Halt and Catch Fire. First three apps or so were pretty good because they were still... Uh, they were still doing technical and legal, so there was talk of chips and reverse engineering. And there was a funny scene where this little computer company sends its lawyer to meet with the IBM herd of lawyers. You just see these three Cadillacs roll up and 15 blue suits get out and walk into the building. Uh, so the first two, three, maybe four ups, they were still doing a lot of technical and legal. So it was kind of interesting. Uh, it's an interesting romanticization kind of fictionalization of, you know, the early events in, in the PC clone world, you know, when other people other than like Tandy and, and Compaq started to try to get into the clone market. But now it's, it's less that and it's more, they, they make an effort to try to put some kind of technical drama in there every week. Like, Oh, a power surge fried the hard drive and she had her backup diskettes, vinyl, five and a quarters right on her radio speakers. Like even in the eighties, those speakers were shielded, but oh, they got demagged. So now the diskettes are so going to have to re- redo all her BIOS rebuild. No, no, we can manually spin the hard drive. Good God. Technically, yes, that is true. You would die of old age long before you got anything off that. Even if it was only like this is like 84 or so, I think 30 megs was the biggest hard drive like a clone had at the time. So there was some technical amusement and some technical accuracy, but now it's just gotten into the standard. Everybody's broken and here's why. And here's why everybody, despite being these supposed protagonists, are actually all just dicks. Um, so I'm not going to continue watching that as you guessed. And this past Sunday, World Cup did wrap up. World Cup 2014 champions are, of course, Germany. Uh, since our last recording, they beat down Brazil to the tune of seven to one. And that one was just a going away goal. Everybody on the field except Brazil had stopped playing at that point. Uh, and they beat down Brazil like it was the red wedding. And then, uh, they beat Argentina to secure the win. Uh, that was a nail biter game. Almost two hours of excellent football, but I'm glad it's done because couldn't take many more of those type of games. But as always, Argentina is Germany's bitch. Um, so that's that. That's what I'm watching. What we're reading slash listening to. All right. I finally finished Shadowrun Fire and Frost. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, enjoyable read. I, I'm kind of on board with you. It's overall, I enjoyed it. There were definitely parts of it that were pretty cool in the thinking like a campaign or thinking like playing the game. And then there were parts that were they're playing a campaign. <laughs> So it was, it was that kind of dude just rolled five ones. That's yeah. <laughs> ending. I don't know. The ending was a little kind of like, I didn't you say like said, it felt up rushed. Yeah, it felt yeah. rushed. It felt like, Hey, it, we're in the Arctic, in the Antarctic and bam, everything's done. Yeah. Well, and that, and then, uh, I spent a lot of time covering up what happened in the Antarctic. I am going back to the Antarctic. Yeah. That kind of thing. I mean, it, it kind of tr- attempt made it, maybe made an attempt for a second book, but overall, I enjoyed the read. I'm glad I got a chance to read it. Again, thanks Catalyst for sending that over to us to take a look at. I don't know if it's, is it out yet? Have you seen anything? I, last I heard it was, they just kind of told me summer. So in May, know. it was at the printers. So I kind of assumed it would be out this summer, but I honestly haven't looked. 
I check out their dev blog once a week and there's <laughs> crossfire, you bastard. <laughs> I check out their dev blog once a week and I haven't seen anything about it since May. So, yeah. so Shadowrun, Fire and Frost, that's supposed to be coming out yet this summer. Definitely, it's it's a, a, a cool little read. It harkens um, back very much to the the books from the nineties. If you like those, even though I'm like twenty years older, I still enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a great read. Um, it definitely gave me it, it gave me the itch to play some more for sure as well. Sadly, since we can't get a game together. Hey, you block out the time, and I'll block out the time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's that simple. <laughs> it is, isn't it? You know, and then why don't you go? Why don't you go ahead and say whatever else you've been reading, and then we'll talk about the two things that we uh, read for review. All right, the other two things we read for review recently. On the actual book side, I read another Verkozigan book, A Civil Affair. This was, uh, you know, he's he's not in the military anymore. He hasn't been in the military for a couple of books now. The drama has turned very much, you know, social and political. And whereas some people write that kind of stuff, Germ, and it's just a soul crushing boring, how many pages do I have to click through to get to something useful kind of experience. Peugeot makes it fun and amusing. Half the drama was who's going to get invited to this wedding. The other half of the drama was how are we going to kill these two people? Or are are these two people going to get killed, more to the point? So a red wedding? Kind of, kind of. <laughs> Except the, one of the little things was, well, who do we send the invite to? Because if these two people are not lords at the time of the wedding, then replacements, but we can't send wedding, can't send invites to both because that would have us as the emperor acknowledging their claims, which we think are spurious. So even though it's, it's not high drama and she does a good job of still making it uh, not only, uh, interesting and compelling. These are fast reads, also amusing. So some people should take notes. I've also started reading expatriates. I'm only like four or five percent in. They're having like a Fourth of July celebration, right. and that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, I started it a while back. <laughs> I probably just got to restart over because I've gone on to so many different things since then. But yeah, it's because two or three of them have come out since. There's at least a third one. Yeah, so yeah, I want to get back to that too. Ex heroes, expatriates, and ex commute not not communicate. Ex um, well, anyways, there's at least a third one. There's, there's another ex. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't there always? <laughs> In Texas. On the audiobook side, I haven't been getting to the gym as much, but I did start to move along yesterday. So I did get to listen to a little bit more of uh, Across the Nightingale Floor. And as I mentioned last time, I thought this was going to go one route. And uh, they turned it 90 degrees and took it somewhere else completely. So that surprised me. Now, where they've taken it is not new or revolutionary. So I've plotted out a whole different track for him, but they didn't take the obvious. And I, and I enjoyed that. Yeah. So this is Across the Nightingale Floor by Leanne Hearn, L-I-A-N, Leanne Hearn. I actually would recommend this as a, as a pickup. I'd never heard of the series. Uh, never heard of the author before. It was like an audible recommends. And I'm glad they did. And I just finished, uh, Cibola Burn, the fourth book in the expanse, James S.A. Corey. Uh, like I said last time, it started off weak. It was really very much, you know, the settlers against the company kind of thing. There's the the gates open and people rushed out to this planet, but then the, the government said that this company has the rights to everything on the planet. So, you know, the settlers were referred to as squatters because tech legally they were there, you know, but and then the company comes in and the company man was just stupid. But by the end, it had a, well, it was like a midnight oil song. It really had kind of that blue sky mining feel to it you know company takes what the one company wants and there's nothing as precious as a hole in the ground but you know the first half of the book was i thought pretty weak but the last half didn't make up for it but it definitely did improve and he again 
blended st- characters from previous books into this one. Continued with all the the mains. Possibly finally really killed off one of the mains. This dude's died a couple times now. But unfortunately, where it, where it, how he ended it in the epilogue was clearly there's going to be a f- fourth book, no, a fifth book. But the epilogue detracted from the story as a whole because the epilogue then just sets up the fifth book and kind of makes everything that happened less because from a political standpoint, it's not what this character wanted. And it kind of detracts from everything because it becomes very clear that it was a weak story to my mind. And I think it was a deliberately weak story or he kind of phoned it in because it was just a bridge. You know, we got this universe out here now beyond the Stargates. And what's that going to do to the solar system? And that's where it was. You know, it's the whole thing led up to what are we going to do in the solar system now that we don't need to terraform Mars, now that we don't need to worry about the outer planet alliance because everybody can go everywhere. There's a thousand of these stargates. So that means there's at least a thousand planets. What do we do with home system? And that's going to be the next book. So it really detracted. That ending really detracted a lot from this book. If if they'd just taken this and made it the start of the fifth book, I think that would have been an excellent uh, jumping on. This, this kind of detracted from that. Like I said last time, I'm going on vacation next week, so I haven't been reading many comics, just letting those build up so I can have uh, some good reading material up at the cabin. But we did read two comics. Yes, we did. Uh, we got asked, Three, actually. Well, yeah, we read three comics. Two comic series, uh, start of series. So we got asked to review a couple comics. One is on Kickstarter right now, and actually you will have already heard the interview I had with Gilbert from Under the Flesh. So he and uh, JL sent us the first issue to take a look at. And along with this, you know, Jordan and I will be uh, talking about it a little bit, but I also recorded a little something with uh, other Mike. Uh, since he takes a look at monster slash horror movies as well. And, and this kind of falls in that genre. Uh, I brought him on and, uh, we'll share that as well. We'll cut away and, and you'll hear a little conversation with Mike and I, but before that under the flesh basically is a not quite zombie. It's in that genre. Zombie-esque. Yeah, zombie-esque. Uh, cannibals, if you will. It's a, what do they call it? The des- desolation virus, the D-virus, which is a virus that affects males only and turns them basically into homicidal cannibals. And at the start of the story, which again, we're not going to get into spoils or anything because the this is on Kickstarter right now for the first issue that we got to take a look at. And... It's the main character gets enhanced with nanobot technology. He's kind of like a soldier, super soldier. And right before he gets to learn from the guys that just pumped him through uh, with nanobots what they do and how he can control them, uh, his doctor turns. So um, he has to uh, escape that situation and get out, and he kind of joins up with another group. And it's basically his journey in this kind of new universe with this new group of people and him trying to figure out how he can test what he can do. I think it's been described as Captain America meets Why the Last Man meets The Walking Dead. So you got a chance to to read through it? I did. All right. What did you think, sir? I'm going to start by saying I wish these dudes the best of luck. There was nothing here that I liked. Okay. (laughs) Like you said, Captain Y meets the last zombie, and and that's what it was. Uh, The story, I thought, was fairly derivative. The artwork didn't do anything for me. All the pages were very busy, and none of the characters really stuck out because they were... 
They just struck me as cardboard. I, I just didn't engage with anything on these pages, and I'm sorry. There are concepts here I like that I'd like to see played out a little bit more. Uh, I think you'll hear it with Mike and I a little bit as well. I think there were a couple missed opportunities in the storytelling. I think we got this whole blank from when he turned to meeting up with the group. That could have been an interesting story, a beginning to the story, where we just get the uh, his doctor turned and now I'm, I've saved my girlfriend kind of thing. I mean, it just is there. And then to my mind, the big miss for me, unlike you, with me liking the concept and, and wanting to see what he can potentially do it, do with it, I did walk away willing to give like a first art a try. But what I think got missed is I think the end of this first issue should have been a holy shit moment for our main character kind of losing control of or figuring out but not knowing how the nanobot thing happened, right? Yeah. I, I think that should have been like the, the last splash page to take you into issue two, to really make you want to continue on to issue two. It would have been more effective if some of his injection had been, if he'd given you, a, the better hook to me would have been if the doctor had started to tell him like in depth how the bots are going to work. It's not just a super soldier serum. It's mm-hmm. There's science here. It's the, how the bots are going to work. Oh, and then I'm eating your head. If he had some <laughs> better idea and then they had progressed with, because like you said, it was very jarring. Oh, crap. My doctor tried to eat me. Here's my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. There needed to be something there. The first issue, I'm not like hard and fast rules. Like first issue has to be origin, but this was an incomplete origin, both in terms of his powers. Well, his, his nanobots powers is the wrong word and, or right now anyways, and his relationship. So pick one or the other, or if you're going to do both, just have that be it. I think they, they got a little bit too aggressive in their storytelling. Yeah. I, I mean, it, but they, it's, it's only one issue, right? It's, it's only issue one. That's all we got to, to check out. Like I said, I, I'd be interested in an arc. I'd give it an arc, but I do think like kind of what you're saying. I mean, they could potentially do the flashbacky type thing, but if that was going to be the case, then start with, you know, okay, okay this looks bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you like it. <laughs> But you know what I mean? I mean, start start with the girlfriend and then flash us back later in, in the next issue or something to what happened with the doctors and all that kind of stuff. Instead of here's the doctor, here's me, here's the doctor, here's my girlfriend. Yeah. That just, like you said, was jarring. And then, like I said, the, the end splash for me should have been a, a holy shit moment with our main character because there's a lot of build up to, I want to test myself. I want to test myself. I want to test myself. And we didn't get any of that in the first uh, issue, fortunately. I mean, I wish these people all the luck because there should be more indie comics out there, whether they're creator-owned at the lesser presses or, you know, crowdfunded or just a dude that puts it out. Like the bunker that I talked about started off as just a dude's web strip that Boom picked up and wanted to turn into a full-on series. I, there needs to be more indies out there so more people can put out more stuff to show the big two that, the money is not what the property is. The story is the property. This, like I said, was, I thought it was derivative, but I know a lot of people, because I've heard about it on a few other podcasts, a lot of people are liking it for 
homage more than derivative. You know, they they like Captain America, they like Y, and they like a zombie type story. So they're happy to see it all put together. That didn't work for me. So I wish these dudes luck. I hope they have a good funding so that they can do more than an arc. I hope they get something out of this that either they can do more than an arc or it succeeds well enough in the general public, well, or the comic public that a company will pick it up and allow them to go with it. Yeah, I I would definitely give this an arc to check it out, but I was slightly underwhelmed on on the the start. Gilbert is a, a a good guy. I had a great conversation with him. He's very passionate about it. JL is very passionate about it. This is Gilbert kind of switched gears from trying to do screenplays and stuff like that to getting into the comic side. He even says himself he's still you know building up his learning process and stuff. And it's not a, not a bad first run out. And, uh, you know, like you kind of said earlier when we were doing the game review, uh, better than anything I could probably put on page yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's, uh, again, good luck, guys. I think they're, don't think they're quite at the halfway mark yet, but they just launched to, I think they were just shy of $1,000, and I think they're looking for like 3500 if I remember right. So uh, they're well on their way. Yeah, I, I think, assuming constant growth, they're, they're going to fund, yeah. and I, I hope they do. Okay, so you just heard a little bit about what Jordan and I think of Under the Flesh, but you know, uh, we decided to go one step further. We want to talk to somebody else in the uh, GeekCast network that we haven't had. Uh, well, that's not true. We actually, Mike has appeared on All Us Geeks now that I think about it. He, he called in during our anniversary show. So with me is my, I'm sorry, other Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you're going to say that. Who <laughs> is part of the Geekcast Network, who has the Royal Monster Battalion podcast up and going with his friend Jeff, where they take a look at uh, monster movies. That's every other week, right? Yeah, every other week. So every other week they take a look at a monster movie, and uh, I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast, and uh, it's uh, definitely something to go check out. It's part of our network. And since Mike enjoys monster movies and stuff as well, we thought we'd bring him on board to talk a little bit about this Under the Flesh comic that launched on Kickstarter July 6th. So, uh, Mike, you've had a chance to read it. What did you think of this first issue? I focus mainly on the monsters on my podcast and on my website. And in that aspect, I'm really intrigued with this comic. It's zombie fair. It's not anything too excitingly new, but they put a good concept on the zombies themselves. They made them pack animals. They made them uh, semi-intelligent. They actually hide in the bushes. They hide in the darkness. There's a great scene in it where a zombie jumps out of a car after it's actually waited for its victim to get close enough for it to attack. That's a concept I really like in any monster movie of, and that's, that's having smart monsters. And that's, that's the main concept on this that I'm really intrigued by rest of it. Not so much. <laughs> okay. The one thing that I think I would have potentially liked to see a little bit for, you know, the, the cliffhanger dealt mostly with the biker gang and, and we're not going to get like, huge into this obviously we, we if you are interested in this we want you to be able to uh, go check it out but the you know the cliffhanger was more on the biker ha- biker gang in that last kind of thing which was fine um, but to my mind I think the one thing and, and this is unfortunately Mike isn't what you were talking about so <laughs> I don't know how you <laughs> you'll feel about this so this is a good conversation maybe to have but the one 
thing I think they missed the mark on is Ruben, our main character. The fact that he has, you know, and, and this is not a spoiler. This is pretty much the opening of the comic is that he has like this, this nanobot technology in him, but he doesn't know anything about it because all hell breaks loose before he gets to learn about it. I think the one thing I would have liked to have seen towards the end of this comic was an all out, oh crap moment from him sort of losing control or not quite, you know, like it kind of weaved in and out through the story where he wanted that to happen and it never did in, in a first issue. Uh, and I, I think having that happen right at the end would have been a cool way to go on to the next one. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh, he pushes really hard. He wants to test it. And I think the second episode, they need to have something happen with him the second issue of it it's, there's got to be something happening with him in order to keep you interested in his character i think this is a another comic where it's unfortunate that I, to me it's unfortunate that we only get to see one right now and of course the kickstarter is actually only for issue one and they'll be looking at more later because i think i kind of felt like you did it was like there's some interesting concepts here like i said the, the thing with reuben the way that they've kind of done the intelligent you know, cannibal slash zombies, whatever they're going to end up being when we get to that point. And the fact that, you know, only men get infected, that kind of stuff. All interesting concepts that I'd love to see play out more. But in just this first issue, I almost need two issues to kind of decide how interested I am in it. Yeah, it was very much an introductory issue where it just shows every single one of the characters. And it's like one page was one character. So it, I think I, I actually would have preferred to have seen him, uh, like one of the first things he talks about is he rescues his girlfriend. I think I'd have been more interested in seeing him rescuing his girlfriend. Yeah, you're right. We did get kind of a stunted, everybody's together, you know, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, and it was, like you said, it was kind of like a, a one page, one, almost one panel kind of, I rescued her mm-hmm. kind of thing. So yeah, you're right. I mean, and it kind of was very abrupt, right? We saw him get his technology. And everything break out. And then the next moment we said, well, we get kind of get the, well, the first thing I did was rescue my girlfriend. And that's a lot of space not explored. So I agree with you on that. Oh, yeah. The the entire time he's in the military compound, the entire time he's getting to his girlfriend, and the entire time he's running to the library. That's a lot of area that could have been explored. And it might still be explored. There might be flashback episodes where they see it and they just wanted to get straight to these are the characters. But I think that would have been a much better lead in to the world. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on that one. You know, I, I've talked to uh, I've talked to Gilbert and he kind of likes to call it the why the last man meets the walking dead and you can see those influences but the one thing you know what did we get you know in the walking dead and yeah you don't want to copy straight scene for scene or anything like that but we get rick's journey by himself right we we get that his his attempt to deal with what's going on in the world while trying to reconnect with everybody. And that was maybe just a slight miss here that we could have seen Ruben's version of that, right? Where, where he leaves the military base and rescues his girlfriend, kind of like you said, yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, above and beyond, I mean, th- there are some very interesting concepts here that I 
want to see explored and I would definitely give this another issue or two before I made up my full mind. I would love to see what happens with Ruben and his nanotechnology. I like the concept uh, that they have going on with the, uh, what is, I can't remember what he calls them now. The zombies? Yeah. Do they have a name for them yet? The, actually, the different groups are calling them different things. Right. Eaters, creepers, and uh, but it was the... Um, the D-Day virus, I think, is what. Yeah, for des- desolation virus or whatever. desolation. Yeah, virus, yeah. So the D-Day virus. So what's going on there? And like Mike said, you know, the the fact that they are kind of intelligent and and we can see that kind of get played up some more. And of course, we've already kind of got our first potential conflict, right? We didn't actually yeah. get a conflict, but a potential conflict between varying factions of you know humanity left. Uh, so that is a possibility. So there's multiple things dropped here that it would be interesting to see. And like I said, I would give a couple more issues to make my final decision on whether or not this is something I would continue with. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm, I definitely want to see the second issue before I make any final decisions. Well, Mike, thanks for hanging out and giving us a look at Under the Flesh as well. Before you go, man, why don't you uh, tell people what's going on with Royal Monster Battalion? Well, we are reviewing monster movies every other week. We do it every week, except uh, both Jeff and I have a family, so it's kind of hard to do. But uh, upcoming episodes we've got are Basket Case, which is a early 80s wonderful film. Nice. <laughs> and uh, I can't even remember the ones coming up after that. We've got a lot of good ones coming. I, I I keep dragging Jeff out of the 80s, but he keeps on pulling me back in. So, <laughs> And, of course, uh, that's royalmonsterbattalion.com for the main site. And you guys got your social media links and all that good stuff up over there, right? Yes, sir. We do. Uh, Twitter right. and Facebook and email if you want to. And you Excellent. can get a hold of us. Excellent. So definitely check it out again. Uh, members of the GeekCast Network, and we're happy to have them on board. So, Again, thanks, Mike, for hanging out with me and talking under the flesh. Thanks for having me. All right. So then the second comic that we uh, got asked to take a look at is not on Kickstarter. This is just uh, an independent going on. We got uh, sent two issues to read. And then we alluded to this, I think, last time we recorded that we were going to be taking a look at Winter with a Y, -Y W-Y-N-T-E-R. You want to give the synopsis on this one? This was well. It's X number of years in the future. It's it's sci-fi, definitely. They don't get. I don't think they gave a year. You know, it's not forty thousand. You know, humanity's expanded across the stars. What I liked is they don't give. They give you a character, but then they give you the background in the second issue. Mm-hmm. So everything I'm about to say is from the second issue. Humanity is spread among the stars. And don't get too spoiled. No, no. <laughs> the, but but the, the 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 core concept here is humanity has spread amongst the stars. I'll say that a fourth time. Humanity has spread where, amongst where, the stars. Where have they spread? The stars. The stars. The stars. Just in one No, no. Star- it, not all the stars, across? but many. Okay. Many stars. So across the stars. Yes. Okay. And the population has grown so big that for this comic scenario every possible dna combination every possible human has happened and has happened millions and billions and trillions of times there's no according to this story there's no unique people Mm -hmm. there's everything is everything that can be born has been born and died billions of times before you were even born and there is a repressive government and everybody is chipped they have this little ai interface and every time a person has a thought, the computer says, 
three trillion people had that same thought in the last 15 minutes. Would you like to see who? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's, and then there's this thing about, you know, the AI. It, it's everything it does is there to tell you that you're not special. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a government theme through both books. Nobody's special. Nobody's unique. Get over it. And so it's the story of Liz Winter with a Y. And she and her friend come across this app that is, it appears to be a game at first and it lets them pick an object or a building they are near and design an explosive to blow all of it or some of it up. Ha ha, it's real. This app is part of an underground and the crux of the drama for these two app issues is the government, they're subversive now. The government's trying to kill all the subversives. So now the government has sent a hitman for her. Right. And that's the core of the two issues. And the the thing is, too, I mean, like, even as far as, like, a police chase is, like, we know exactly what. We've already blocked off the road you're going to go down. You know, the things like that kind of yep. come up in the comic where it's, like, everything is so preordained and we know exactly what you're going to do because of the the there's no uniqueness this has happened for your dna strand thirteen thousand times we know how it ends and and the other kind of cool thing about it too is the fact that the chip the app you know the personal is it's all named after the person in it so yep it's liz's liz's ai is liz Liz. so it's it's liz talking to herself and liz telling herself She's not special. Yeah. And, and stuff like that. And, and like you said, you know, this 90% of, you know, it's it, always throwing statistics at them and numbers at them and always saying, would you like to see who they are? Would you like to see who, who did that? Would you like to see? And just, just a constant bombardment. I mean, no matter what you do. Well, the, the scene for Shane, without getting too spoilery, all the way to the end of that little piece of story, you know, many people see this. Yeah. Would you like to see, would you like to see the science? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just it, all, all the way through. And even, I mean, the app even goes as far as like if two people look each other in the eye, what the attraction is to two people. So mm-hmm. some people try to avoid eye contact and stuff like that. I mean, all of those little things I really enjoyed. If I had my nitpick on this, I, I enjoyed this series. I want to see more of it. This was an excellent storytelling series. This was a, a very nice dystopian uh, thing where, and again, just the from birth to what? Going back to my previous statement. This really does remind me of something. This is inspired. If not, then he should go read Philip K. Dick. And I love Dick. <laughs> and I enjoyed it all the way around. The, my nitpick is the font was sometimes that was hard unreadable. Yeah. Well, especially when it was numerics. numerics yeah. yeah, that's my big gripe and or minor gripe, if you will. Just sometimes that threw me off and, and irked me a little bit because it was kind of hard to read. And the reason it irked me is because I was enjoying what I was reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the art style is really cool. Um, and, and seeing, you know, and, and again, following the whole dystopian thing and everything else and, and you're not special and, and all of that stuff and watching Liz's attempt to go against grain and try to like, okay, everybody knows what I'm going to do. What would I not do? But what I, am I saying I wouldn't do that because it's me, you know, that kind of thing. I liked it. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I want to see a few more issues. It'd be interesting to see if that gets played out tired trying to, to do that too many times. I know exactly what you're going to do because of this and this and, you know, that kind of thing. But for the two issues we got it in and and where it led at the end of the second issue, I was ready for the third issue. Well, I think they're going to have her hook up with 
well, the Invisible the, the, yeah, Man. Yeah. That's that's otherwise it would get very right if every issue there was a what what sh- what wouldn't I do here? Right. Yeah. Yeah. By the time by the time the second issue ended, I was ready to read the third. Oh, absolutely. I front to back. I think this is an excellent book. I love the artwork. This is an excellent balance of like really minimal panels to the point that some pages it's not panels it's just images flowing across mm-hmm. each other to to some pages of those standard comic panels and so, some stuff that's so minimal like the the car chase where she's trying to make her decisions and it's it's just one panel with from the left and from the right but it's just her holding the steering wheel and and in a seat and that's all it is and then a couple panels later it, it's the hitman looking it looks like a restaurant going into a restaurant, but it's a fully fleshed out panel. So there's excellent use of, it's very dark. And then they throw in just a couple bright panels here and there. It's, it's dark. There's a lot of, it's very minimalist, but it's not empty. There's excellent use of color in the background, even though it's all dark to make the scene. And it's, it's great visuals and it's great story. Yep. Yeah. I, I completely agree. This, this, this one got me right away and kept me through both issues. And like I said, by the time I finished two, I was like, uh, you guys need us to review, uh, issue three, uh, okay. five, five, six, <laughs> yeah, you know, how many got an arc, <laughs> got an arc you want, you want people to know about. Uh, so uh, yeah, great, excellent work. Thank you for reaching out to us and giving us those two issues because you, you gave us some awesome stuff to read really. Uh, and on that note, if anybody else has comics that they would like us to take a look at, this is not the first time we've done it. I did it for ELE a while back from uh, Jason. Took a, a quick look at that, but kind of haven't really thought about it until recently when we suddenly got multiple people asking if we take a look at their comics, and it fits. It's It fits directly into our show and something that we can easily fit in a little bit easier than, say, like, you know, uh, five or six games or something like that that we turn around, turn away all the time so uh i did like we will review the hardbound trade (laughs) i did add to our contact form comic review now to go along with the game review so you can hit our contact form over on ls geeks and we'll happily take a look at uh, more comics that's that's actually been that was kind of fun yeah that was a fun thing to do definitely enjoyed it thanks what we're playing Thanks to you, I've sunk way too much time into zombie defense. <laughs> it's so awesome, though. It is, and I and I haven't been to it forever, but I saw it update the other day. It's like, ooh, I should go check that. Oh, the update is actually it's totally dickish. Uh, they now have nightmare mode, which I haven't tried, and then a bunch of upgrades that are only available to you if you play nightmare mode. Mm. Um, <laughs> but they did expand the soldier tree. You got like a Tesla dude now, and he has a maybe. Nope. Uh, nope. Okay. So there's a Tesla dude. It's been a while since I, okay. I, I think it's updated twice since I've played last. Yeah. So there's a Tesla dude now and he just sits there and he zaps the zombies. His first level, I think, is like one zombie at four meters and then it'll arc up to another meter up two. And then I've got him maxed out now. So he's got like a six meter range and he can zap like one zombie that'll arc to five, I think. And it slows them down and then it'll make nice. crawlers stand up. So I always put him near my auto guns. Nice. I was getting when I right when I stopped, I was really getting into the chainsaw dude. Ah, oh, the chainsaw dude. The chainsaw is, dude. He dies too fast, but I love. He never him. really died for me. Oh well, I I don't know. I haven't figured out the best way to use him yet. I always put him out in the big swarms. So 
Yeah, you're going to get eaten one. Doesn't matter how big your chainsaw blade is. Doesn't matter if it says steel or Husqvarna when there's eight crawlers on you. They're going to they're going to get you. Yeah, but I always have like the chain gun backing him up. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I I hardly use people anymore. Everything yeah. is just double chain guns or single chain guns of a, depending on how impatient I am. Uh they got uh was the commando there the last time you played, dude with the bazooka? Yeah, I have the okay. bazooka guy. So they got that and they got um what do they call him? The cook or something? Dude that just throws meat out to slow the zombies down. Oh, I don't know. No, I know him. Yeah, they got a dude. He's only nine hundred points, nine hundred dollars in game. He, he he throws meat out, and the zombies stop to eat them, nice. so they slow down. Did they have airstrikes? Yes. Did they have the bulldozer? Yes. And the APC. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, then they've got they let you they let you go into debt now in game. Yep. I got. Yeah, okay. I got so you saw that. But yeah, I'm just I'm having a lot of fun with yeah. that. Uh, it's gotten to the point now where. I maxed out. The first thing I did was max out so I could have a 32-man squad. Mm-hmm. But I generally don't have more than six, unless it's a really spread out map. Then I go up to eight. And everything else is just chain guns. <laughs> it's nice. just auto turrets. And then I buy the bulldozers and the APCs or whatever. And and airstrikes. I just love doing airstrikes. When it gets to I have the, yet to do one. Oh, it's awesome. It's, it's like an AC-130 or something, you know, from Call of Duty. That's mm-hmm. the sound they have. It's just great. You know, when they're swarming one or two entrances and you just see the big hordes, it's like 200 zombies, you know, and blah, 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 blah. Or, or I'm up to the point now. I'm well down the map. Mm-hmm. I'm into Mexico, according to the story as it's progressing. The one it was 25 waves and the last one was 300 zombies. And it was like I was six dudes. So they're just chugging away and then choke points on my, on my miniguns and whatnot. And an airstrike, and it's just fun watching that bombs come down. It's like from two fifty to two forty to two thirty seven to two twenty. You know, just just chunks of zombies disappearing. It's <laughs> it's awesome. And it's at two hundred bucks a pop. It's the best investment in the game. Airstrikes brought to you by. Um. So yeah, way too much time on that. You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> I also picked up Titanfall, which I'm enjoying a little bit more than I thought I would, but I, I had a lot of trade in and I was looking for a new game. So I went with Titanfall because I didn't know it, but they actually backgraded it to be on the 360 as well after mm-hmm. the, the initial release for the one. And that that's enjoyable. The wall running is it does add a, an element of mobility to the game. So now you got to look at the wall too, not just up or down. So you see people running and gunning on the walls and the Titan drops and getting in there and, and doing the mecha thing as well as the running around. It's, it's, uh, it's as enjoyable as I hoped it would be. My only complaint is if I ever get a one then I am going to have to buy the game again because the <laughs> leaderboards in the, the player list are not intermingle, do not intermingle. It's 360 only or, or one only. That's kind of fun if you're into the, the shooters. It's, uh, I mean, I'm not good by, by any means, <laughs> but, uh, I'm having fun being bad. Yeah. Megan's sister and, and her husband have really been getting into Titanfall. So that was their, we're getting an Xbox one hmm. moment. They decided that was the game for it. No, nah, their maps are, are good. It's not at all. Um, there's no camping. There's no corner crouching in this game. It's very much designed to be wide open. It's, it's hard to camp because every room has four or five entries, whether it's a door or windows. Uh, it's not destructible environment, but every window I've tried to crack can crack and you can get through it. And since you got the wall running, it, it, it doesn't even matter where the door is because if you can get to the window and it's a breakable window, you can run up to the wall to, to the window to get in. So there's, and like in COD, I am a camper. Suck it, people. Um, that's what I do. So there's none of that here. It's very much always run and gun. There's no sitting around because if you, if you, if you wait too long, something is going to come step on you. 
and it gives you the replays of how you die. And sometimes getting stepped on by Titan really is the best part of your day because it's <laughs> just funny. So I, I'm liking it. Yeah. I mean, if you have a, even just a, a passing interest in, in shooters in general, I think it would be a good pickup for you because it, it's got good skill trees and good customization. And even though the campaign is still an online campaign, you get, uh, a couple of the mech chassis that you can build are only available if you complete the campaign as one faction or the other. So they do make the campaign something that you want to play to get the, the, the multiplayer benefits. So I haven't checked that out yet because I'm still not all that good in, in the, in the multiplayer. So I, I don't know the diff- what difference yeah. the chassis is going to make for me. <laughs> See, that, that's my big thing. I mean, it, 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 unless the campaign's good, I'm not really a multiplayer gamer. Yeah. That was my big, uh, that was the thing that held me back the most. But I had so much trade and it was like 15 bucks after all my trade. So I'm like, yeah. eh, I've wasted more on less. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a trip to Taco John's right there. So <laughs> got in a game of X-Wing and I, uh, I enjoyed that. I, I love that game, X-Wing and Attack Wing. And then we got in an excellent game of Wild West Exodus. My faction, the Holy Order of Man just recently posted. It's not, it's not released until August. They had two figures out at, uh, Adepticon. So I've just been using those two figures and then mercenaries, but they recently, uh, Outlaw recently published the 90% finished rules for my hired hands. Everybody else's hired hands are between like 10 and 25 bucks, except for the, the llama. Mine are 55. So I've got the second most expensive hired hands in the game, but statistically they're worth it. They have an ability that lets you shoot through walls. It removes all the penalties for not having line of sight and they hit hard. They got, one of the more powerful weapons, I think, for grunts. And the dude was running his lawman, and he just walked across the map, and I didn't move. I just stood behind a building and just tore him to pieces. My weapons are only range 16, so I had to spend one turn waiting. Oh, That's that's where the it's a little mis- unbalanced. Well, not unbalanced, but in terms of force selection, my big hitter has a range of 30, but everybody else only has 16. That I have so far. My range 16 dudes can shoot through walls so they can stay behind cover. My big hitter can't. So he's got, he's the only guy that comes out. And as a result, I've lost him in two consecutive games because he's the only guy that has to come out to be seen. Everybody else just shoots through the walls. And, uh, yeah, I, I just tore him up and it was excellent. He took it. He took it like a man, but he had to. It's, it was just really excellent. So I hoped, uh, I hope the last 10% isn't nerfing them because these dudes are designed to be elite. It's reflected in their price. They're 55 bucks per, per figure in game dollars. I mean, mm-hmm. their force building is in dollars, not $55 per figure. <laughs> I would never pay that. So I'm looking forward to seeing their, uh, their final stats. I hope they're not nerfed. They're definitely very efficient for their dollar value. And I've got them, uh, my other underboss and a couple bikes on pre-order. So I'm hoping sometime next week while I'm on vacation, I'm going to get an email that says your order has shipped because I really want those in the, in my post box when I get home. Wild West Exodus from Outlaw Miniature People. <laughs> Check it out if you like minis games. They got good fluff, good factions and really excellent models. Michael was talking about he was reading some, uh, is there some fiction for Wild West? There is. They've got, uh, three books out right now. And I think there's more coming. The, uh, Jesse James Chronicles, Honor Among Outlaws is the first book written by Craig Gallant from the D6G. Uh, he read the first, he wrote the first and third books. He wrote two of the three. I think it's one and three. Honestly, I, I can get into it. I got to return the Michael book said they were solid. He was, he, he, yeah, he said he really he liked said he them. Really liked them. Yeah. They're, cause he just got done reading all of my uh, Abercrombie stuff. Yeah. It's, uh, 
it wasn't bad, but it, it it's my gripe for licensed. It's mm-hmm. showing you the world as much as it is telling you a story, and you know it's eh. Uh, he couldn't. You could. He he wasn't rolling dice for some of the stuff, but too much of it was just. Well, let me explain why my iron horses are you know hover bikes. You know, let me explain the concept of RJ ten twenty seven. You know, maybe if there's another series and it's not focused on a faction that I don't play, and in fact, have come to hate Jesse James, <laughs> you bastard. Oh, Jesse James is just so OP. You know, I'll check it out once the world is established. This one, yeah, I just couldn't get into it. It wasn't bad. It was just. Uh, textbook you know just here's the world everything in it and we have some characters doing stuff but i mean that's what they asked him to write this is the first piece of fiction in their world so there has to be a baseline of somebody got had to get stuck with writing their world for them (laughs) you know all right well like i said in uh news star realms Star Realms and more Star Realms. What else have you been playing? Uh, Star Realms. Oh, okay. Um, there's this game called Star Realms. Came out on Android and is hopefully going to be on iOS here shortly. Uh, I've been playing that, and it's it's uh, in case I haven't mentioned it, it's called Star Realms. <laughs> I did not do anything with the Kickstarter for this one, so I haven't played the physical game and, and all that, and I don't have the Kickstarter extra avatar or whatever it is that comes with it. But one of the cool things about being us. <laughs> There aren't many. There's no more cool things than being me. I mean, don't say uh, us, it's me. But we're lucky enough to to get press releases off and on, and some of them I don't care about. <laughs> and then there are other ones like, hey, by the way, this is coming out on Android over this, and it came out on the 4th of July weekend for Android and uh, hadn't hit iOS yet. Like I said, it's it's either out now or it's waiting for approval still. That's the last thing I heard was it's still waiting for approval on, on the Apple side. So I got that press release, almost kind of skipped it and went, wait a minute, let me, I, I saw Android in there. <laughs> and of course, we like to support Android when we can. So I downloaded it over that weekend and played the free and then uh, instantly bought it. Uh, it's There's a campaign that's free and, and there's a, I think it's a set AI. Um, I don't think you can change the AI difficulty on the free. And then the pay is you get a second campaign and you can play online and you get difficulty settings in the AI. So I bought it right away. But yeah, like I, I said in news, I, I've been playing with a few of our listeners. Uh, I've been playing with Michael, playing with a few designers I know. Chevy Dot is completely addicted to this game. That I think he plays 24-7. I'm not sure if we'll ever see another game from Chevy <laughs> because he's too busy playing Star Realms and trying to play against like 30, 40 people Astral at Kingdoms. That's his, <laughs> his next game. <laughs> But it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, there's a few things. It, there's some pretty big swings in the game. Sometime, like the other day, I lost. I I had uh I had somebody down to one point, and I had something like twenty eight, twenty nine, and my turn came back up and said you lost. <laughs> you know that kind of thing. I mean, there's there's some pretty big swings that can happen in the game. But the game is pretty fast. So and, and I guess you know overall, I don't really care. It's it's just a lot of fun to to do and having you know it's it's a, asynchronous play like we talked about so you don't have to be on at the time you can take your turn when, when you've got the time so pay hey, email is the best thing ever <laughs> 
Although I, I have gotten yelled at a few times while at work for not taking my turn, and I've had to say, Chevy, I'm at work. <laughs> I don't well, play. it's better that than, Jeff, you've been to the bathroom 17 times today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if I, you know, if I, if like on my lunch or if I get, take a break, uh, I'll, you mean fight. when? It's, it's not an if anymore by the sounds of it. It's, it's a when. <laughs> no, it's you, most of my playing is after I get home. Hmm. But if I'm on a break or something, I'll, I'll fire it up real quick. And I, I actually, this is kind of replaced. This is my temple run now uh because temple run can temple run two uh kind of pissed me off and i deleted it off my phone <laughs> and not because of you know gameplay because of something they did what well, is the it, advertising even more pervasive no it wasn't that okay here here's what here's what happened you know here's here, tangent time uh because this was a while ago i just haven't haven't mentioned it in a while jeff's horrible tangents <laughs> oh no you know they got the daily right and I used to always do those. That was kind of like, eh, you know, I'm, 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 I hit it once a day. This is kind of when I play. Finish the do you daily. Quit it too. Or? <laughs> hit it and quit it. And then once I completed the daily, I could care less if I played anymore. It was just my quick thing. They went two days without updating the daily, which, eh, whatever, fine. So I'm not really playing. And then when they finally updated the daily, they reset me because I hadn't completed a daily in three days. <laughs> It's like, mm, no, I didn't complete a daily because you didn't give me a daily. So that kind of irked me. And it's like the second time this has happened to me in a while There's for whatever reason. And it wasn't like it was like, again, this was a while ago. So it wasn't even like it was like 4th of July weekend. They didn't do dailies or something like that. It was it was some random in the middle of the week, two days of no dailies. And then, oh, you haven't done a daily. Reset. <laughs> it's like, mm, I'm done. But I've got anywhere from... Four to five Star Realms games going on at one time, uh, which is always interesting because then I got to go, what's in my deck <laughs> for the buy? So I'm playing a lot of that. And again, uh, the ID is Darkwind, T-A-R-K-W-I-N-D. If you are a listener and want to play, hit me up because like I said, I've been playing with a few listeners and it's been kind of fun. And if you're a listener and you don't want to play, just hit them. Just hit me. Yeah, that happens all the time anyway. And then the only other thing that I have even attempted is uh, unnamed prototype. <laughs> it's got to come up with a better name than that for a no. I, I like it. No? It's 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 snappy, <laughs> but I am uh, kind of. This is no secret. It's been talked about off and on on the Game Crafter, so we've both talked about it. But I am uh, getting back into the design side of things. I'm actually co-designing a co-op game with uh, somebody off of the Game Crafter. Actually, it's uh, it's Bill. It's past that chit who was a finalist in the All Us Geeks Father Geek contest. And he's also the uh, individual that designed our new uh, YouTube video intro. Uh, so Bill and I have been, he's right now finishing up a contest entry. And then he said he'll have that done within the next two weeks. And then we're kind of going to go full bore on this co-op game we've been working on. Uh, so I've got... Uh, a really ugly looking prototype upstairs <laughs> that I played over the weekend a bit, uh, mostly just to kind of see if we're on the right track for movement and action points and stuff like that. So no real solid game yet, but just testing out some mechanics and theories and then kind of comparing notes as we get time. And then like I said, in about two weeks time, he wants to go full bore. We're going to go, uh, full blown design together. So it's, it's, it's been kind of fun. It's, it's been fun to kind of get back into that. And at the same time, first time I've ever co-designed with somebody, but I thought it would be kind of a cool thing just from the aspect of 50% of it is my time versus a hundred percent of it, my time. Cause it's very easy for me right now to say, ah, well, you know, I've got something to edit. I've got, you know, that, that kind of thing versus, Oh, uh, Bill and I are going to talk tomorrow. So here's what 
we, you know, kind of focused a little bit more. And there has been talk of potentially, uh, you know, we have the road to relaunch. We might do a road to creation. Uh, so we might do a once a month style thing. Bill uh, seemed pretty happy about that as well. So we might do a once a month recording kind of talking about our process into making this game happen. Apparently Doug from Meltdown Games uh, has already claimed state or staked claim for if we ever take this to Kickstarter, he's doing the road to, or the uh, game of crowdfunding interview. He's he's running the interview, which I told him I don't know if I'm narcissistic enough for that, to be an interviewed on my own segment for crowdfunding things. If we ever got to that point, I don't no, know. You are, I, and no, you really don't even not. need Doug. You would just sit there with one mic. I am awesome. and read your own questions to you. <laughs> so, how did you come up with this? I am glad you asked that, Jeff. Well, Jeff, let me tell you. <laughs> That is a good, excellent. My God, are you just a stunning interviewer and handsome as shit? <laughs> don't lie. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, he's trying to encourage me to have that happen. I, I feel weird. <clears throat> Not only that, but you know, again, Bill, Bill, and I have no aspirations besides, besides let's make a game together. <laughs> that's that's where we're at right now. Uh, we could go be on CBJ. Yeah, I could could do that. <laughs> All right. I uh, think that brings us to the end of a end of an episode. End of the month, we will not be recording. The only other thing, the Geek Compound is coming along nicely. Uh, we're getting very, very close. Uh, I think uh, definitely by the time we record again, all the shelving should be done. <laughs> and uh, we'll kind of be shifting. Uh, we'll be podcasting in a slightly different area of of this area. We'll, we'll be occupying where all my games are occupying <laughs> right now. But I think that'll do it for us. So I'm Jeff King. And I remain the Canadian. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a proud member of the GeekCast Network. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other podcasts with a geek culture slant, head over to geekcastnetwork.com, where you will find podcasts such as Royal Monster Battalion, where two geeks share their love of monster movies and have a few laughs along the way. Viewers.